0: Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast. for developing a long-lasting, happy relationship as the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. The six steps are establishing a covenant foundation, owning your brokenness, learning to share power, developing emotional attachment, cultivating sexual fireworks, and staying in love. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. If you enjoyed the episode today, please subscribe Click the five stars and leave a review. The more positive reviews I receive, the higher the podcast will appear in search results so others can find it and receive tools for their marriage. Also, I'm hosting a live episode on Fridays from 430 to 530 Mountain Standard Time, where I take phone calls with any questions about marriage. So be sure to call me at 303-596-6836, Fridays from 430 to 530. As I mentioned in my last episode, I will not be doing this tomorrow because I will be flying to Texas to get ready for the Total Marriage Refresh Retreat, so hopefully some of you listening to this are going to see me there this coming Saturday. Today I'm going to focus on 10 steps to financial peace in marriage. Money is a top thing a lot of couples fight about, as I'm sure you know. And I've gotten several requests by people saying, please address money. Please talk about money because it's so common and people fight about it in marriage so frequently. So I'm going to cover 10 things to consider. You may disagree with some of these and that's okay because money is a very personal topic. But consider some of them as starting points or as discussion starters between you and your spouse. And obviously these 10 points are not going to cover the whole gamut with money. However, I think they can get you on your way to hopefully making some progress if you struggle with finances with your partner. Step number one is explore the origins of money with your spouse. Ask them about money in their childhood. Was there a lot of it? Was there a little amount of it? Was it hoarded? Was it shared? How was money treated in your spouse's upbringing? Finding that out will tell you a lot about how they handle money now. So, you want to explore the origins because we all have a certain relationship with money. Some people view money as fun, other people view money as stress, other people view money as power and security, other people view money as fill in the blank. The sky is the limit, but we each have a certain relationship with money. Some of us obsess over money, others of us never think about it. And so you want to start by exploring the origins of money for both you and your spouse. Look to your childhood, look to your family dynamics, your family values around money. How was money treated? And explore those conversations with one another because that will help you understand your spouse's current perspective and attitude around money. Number two, when you get married, everything becomes ours. There's no longer mine and yours. And that includes money. So when you get married, view your money, no matter who's earning what, as our money. So when I'm working and making money, it becomes our money. If my spouse is working and making money, that becomes our money. Everything becomes ours. And this is a key point because how you handle money is often indicative of your overall relationship with how close you are and how much of a team you feel like you are. I've had a lot of couples in my office, in my practice, where everything financially is divided. They have separate accounts, and they view their income as mine and yours, and it's very divisive. And lo and behold, that's why they're in my office, because their relationship is divided on multiple fronts, and money just represents how they are in other areas. So I encourage couples to consider all money coming in, all money that you have as our money, not mine, not yours. And in that same vein, I encourage couples to have one checking account where both of their names are on it, because that requires you to combine all income. So all money comes into one account, all money goes out of one account. And that doesn't mean that you may need other accounts for other things here and there as you develop over your lifespan, But all couples need or I recommend they have one checking account with both names on it where all money goes into that account and all money goes out of that account because that creates a sense of teamwork, a sense of we-ness, a sense of togetherness that this is our money and this is our checking account. Number three, I encourage both partners to earn money. Now there may be a time and a season when you're not able to earn money. You know, whether you just had a baby or you're just got injured on the job or who knows, you know, lots of things can happen in life, and so there might be seasons where this is not possible, but as much as possible, I encourage both partners to be earning money on some level. The reason for that is because when only one spouse is making money, it creates problems for both partners. For the person making the money, it can make them feel entitled that they have more of a say with financial matters because they're the ones earning the income, and that leads to problems. And it can make the person not making money feel powerless, that they don't have a voice and they don't have a say because they're not earning the money. And I've seen this play out in a lot of couples I've worked with. When one person's making all the money and the other person makes none, it tends to lead to relationship problems. So to curb that, that's why I recommend for both partners to be earning income on some level. It tends to level the playing field. It tends to level out the power and the decision making so the couple feels more like a team and that the stress of making money is not just on one person, but they're both in the trenches, both working and both struggling to survive together. That creates that sense of teamwork. Number four is get educated together on money as a couple. So perhaps the one spouse has done a lot of reading on money, and they've listened to a lot of podcasts on money and read a lot of books on money, but their partner, their spouse, hasn't done anything like that. That creates a a difference in education around finances. Some people may be naturally interested in money, and they want to read about money, and their spouse could be you know, uninterested, they don't really care about it. So they don't read up on it, but that creates problems because the one who's interested in reading about it, money's on their mind all the time and they want to talk about money, but they have a hard time having that conversation because their partner hasn't done a similar level of, of learning about it. And it doesn't mean that they have to have the same level of learning, but I encourage all couples to go through at least one financial book together. One that I recommend is Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. He has a podcast that's really excellent. He has lots of great books. His website's really helpful, DaveRamsey.com, but that's an excellent book. So, Some type of financial book or resource or class that you and your spouse go through together so that you can create a common vision and value system around money. Because if you don't have that, you're going to be coming at money from different angles and it's going to be hard to see eye to eye. Number five is develop a budget that works for both of you. It's amazing how many couples don't have a budget. And budgets, even if you create one, they can get outdated quickly because expenses change. Some areas get more expensive. Other areas are obsolete and you don't need that expense anymore, etc. So budgets are a work in progress, but it's vital for you and your spouse to sit down and write down what are all of our monthly expenses. And some of them you may not quite know and so you may have to look at it for a few months to get an accurate number and you keep adjusting the number until it's accurate. And when you're creating this budget, This is like the game book for a couple with money. You need a budget so you're on the same team and you're agreeing on how much money you're going to spend on certain categories per month. So groceries is a good example. You need to develop a budget and within that budget, you're going to have a grocery item. So you're going to have to negotiate and talk through how much should we spend on, on food every week. And this is an example where you're going to have to compromise. My tendency when it comes to groceries is to skimp. And my view of groceries is, oh, we can make it on rice and beans if we need to. If we're going through a tight time or we need to save money somewhere else, we can just skimp on the groceries. And my wife hates that. She loves having a stocked refrigerator and a stocked pantry. And the idea of skimping on groceries It does not sit well with her. And so we've had to negotiate how much we're going to spend on groceries. It's an ongoing discussion. And that's common in marriage where you're going to have different values around different areas with how much you spend. But this is where negotiating and compromising and sharing power, which is marriage step number three, comes into play. Because you both need to feel like you have an equal voice around money and how your money is spent. And by the way, most marriages have a spender, a natural spender and risk taker, and the other spouse tends to be a saver and more conservative. And both are valid, but you need to learn how to bring those two styles together so both are honored. And it's not going to be 100% how you want it or how your spouse wants it, because then it wouldn't be a compromise. Meeting in the middle means that you give up a little bit of your side, and when you're both doing that, you reach a middle ground. So creating a budget is vital because then you're in agreement on how much you're going to be spending per category. Number six, take cash out weekly for spending. You need to have a certain cash amount that you both agree on can be your spending money for the week. You don't want to have to be checking in with each other for permission on every little nickel and dime that you spend or getting frustrated with one another when they spend certain amounts of money because that can just drive you crazy and create a lot of marital stress. So instead, I encourage you to think about what would be a, a reasonable number of cash that you and your spouse could get out once a week. You have it in your wallet. And then you spend it however you want to. You don't have to check in. You don't have to ask permission. It gives you freedom. It gives you autonomy. It gives you some power and some control. But it's done within a prearranged agreement of how much that can be. And that's why you do it in cash so that you don't spend over. Number seven, pay off all debt from smallest to largest except for your mortgage. When we talk about finances, one of the things that hurts marriage the most is financial strain. Financial stress and strain and struggle is one of the worst things in the world. And if you're there right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been there. I know a lot of my peers have been there. You go through times in life when finances are tight and you barely have enough money to, to make it and it's so extremely stressful and that, that financial stress bleeds right over into marital problems because now you're stressed, now you're short with each other, you're agitated, you're fighting more and vice versa when you have financial peace and you feel financially secure, you're more relaxed, you're more at ease, you're more grace-oriented towards your partner. And debt is one of the biggest killers of financial peace. And that's why I encourage couples to pay off all their debts from smallest to largest except for your mortgage. That comes later down the road. But you want to get rid of all your debt. So what is it for you? Credit card debt? Maybe you have a car debt? Maybe you have a student loan. Maybe you have a home equity line of credit. Whatever it is for you, think about how your life would feel without those payments. Think about what you could do with all the money that's going out the door towards those payments. Think about how much financial peace you would have if you didn't have those payments. And this can breed Teamwork. So if you and your spouse develop a list of, here's our smallest to our largest debts, and then you get on the same page with working off those debts one at a time, that creates teamwork and financial freedom as you move through that debt. Number eight. Now, this may be a controversial recommendation, but I highly recommend it. It's to get rid of all credit cards and instead pay with cash. This is a radical suggestion, but if you think back to your grandparents and great-grandparents, that's the only way that they were allowed to live because credit cards had not been invented. When our grandparents and great-grandparents were living and functioning, there was no credit cards. So if they wanted something, they had to save up for it. They had to talk with their spouse about it. They had to develop a plan for it. They had to exercise self-control. They had to practice delayed gratification. In contrast, today with our credit cards, we get whatever we want whenever we want it. We charge, we charge, we finance, we finance. And before long, we have loads of debt, and now we're stressed, and now we're fighting with our spouse. So consider life without credit cards. Consider how much more freedom you would have without the debt of credit cards and the teamwork it would build with your partner as you're building up with cash to pay for things. And even if you're listening to this and you're thinking in your mind, well, it's not a problem because I pay off my credit card every month. Research shows that people who use credit cards, even if they pay them off every month, spend about 50% more compared to if they were spending cash instead. So, even if you pay off your credit card once a month, most likely you're still spending more compared to if you would be using cash. Number nine, build a three to six month emergency fund. Like I mentioned earlier, financial security creates financial peace, which brings out the best in us. We feel relaxed, we feel at ease, we feel jolly, we feel loving. And vice versa, when we're strapped and we're tight and money is stressful, it brings out the worst in us. And we get agitated and irritable and we fight more with our spouse. And most of us don't have enough savings to cover one month of living expenses if we go through a crisis. And it's not a matter on if you're going to go through a financial crisis. It's a matter of when the transmission goes out, the heater breaks, The dog needs surgery, etc., etc. Emergencies are right around the corner. And if you're not prepared financially for emergencies, a lot of people then go into debt to finance the emergency, and now they have stress upon stress. So instead, work with your spouse on building an emergency fund. Three to six months of living expenses is ideal so that you have a cushion so that when stressful things happen in your life, which is inevitable, you're prepared and you're ready. Number 10, you want to share with your spouse paying the bills. Don't have just one partner in charge of your bill paying. A lot of couples set up automatic bill paying, which is great, but most couples need some type of rhythm to sit down, look through the mail that came in, pay what bills need to be paid, balance their checkbook online or in paper. That takes a lot of work, and that should not be assigned to just one person because then that one person is the only one tracking the finances and seeing if things are over budget or under budget, and then that person is going to be more mindful of spending And that can feel very lonely. But to develop a teamwork, you need to both be sharing in that rhythm on a regular basis. Perhaps one of you writes the checks for the bills and the other one balances the checkbook. Or however you want to split it, but you want to work together around the finances. Don't just assign that to one person. And in the same vein, try to set up a monthly meeting with your partner on your financial goals, We talk about all sorts of things, but a lot of times we don't talk about our financial goals with our partner, with our spouse. But at least once a month, you need to sit down with your spouse and talk through your budget. Is it accurate? Do you need to adjust it? How are you doing paying off the debt? How are you doing building the emergency fund? What are your future financial goals? College funds, investing for retirement, eventually paying off the house. These types of monthly goals are critical because, again, it's going to build a sense of weeness and togetherness, and we're a team. We're tackling the financial world together. We're developing goals together and working towards them together, and that may include once in a while meeting with a financial investor so you have feedback from an expert telling you both what they would recommend, but to have a regular meeting with your spouse is also important once a month. So there you have it, the 10 steps to financial peace and marriage. Number one is explore the origins of money for both of you. Number two, think about how everything financially is ours, not mine or yours. Number three, as much as you're able, try to have both of you earning money on some level. Number four, get educated together on money. Number five, develop a budget that you both agree on. Number six, take cash out weekly for spending. Number seven, pay off all debt except for your mortgage, mortgage from smallest to largest. Number eight, get rid of credit cards and instead pay with cash. Number nine, build three to six months of an emergency fund. And number 10, share and paying the bills and have a once a month financial meeting. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast and be sure to tell your family and friends about it. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com and check out my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash drwyattfisher. If you believe in this podcast and would like to help me reduce the divorce rate one marriage at a time by keeping it on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash marriage steps also if you are happily married I would love to have you on the podcast to hear your story and have you do a we're in love scream so others can learn from you and be inspired so if that's you please email me at info at drwyattfisher dot com and remember your marriage is a living organism if you care for it it will thrive And if you don't, it will die. The choice is up to you. Take care.